bookstore. And it was, a, it was a Christian bookstore, and it was a book that explained all of the things that were wrong in, um, oh, 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 what's the name of that um, religion that they, they know they have one of, in DeSoto, masonry, masonry, masons. Masons, and so it was a book showing everything that was wrong, and I, I said to pastor, I said, maybe I should get that, because there's like, Masons is like this hidden thing going on, and, and, and it's in a lot of cities, and so I'm like, maybe I should get that and find out, and he said, you don't need to read all of the things that they have wrong to be able to teach what's right. So it would be more confusing to try to, try to pull all of that information in and try to 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 muddy the water, it, it, it takes away from the clarity. It's easier just to emphasize what the Word says and not have to try to refute what that false religion is teaching. That's the same way we've got to deal with every source of information. And I'll tell you this, I'm not just talking about the news. I'm not just talking about the news. I'm talking about gossip. I'm talking about uh, uh, people's uh, wrong, uh, wrong uh, thought processes about the sovereignty of God or weird things like that. I'm not, whatever it is that's going to cause your peace to be violated. Hallelujah. So, so this woman had an inner image not only was it something that she heard, but now it is something that she is speaking out of her heart, out of the abundance of her heart. Her mouth is speaking, and she says, I shall be whole. That's what she's saying. I shall be whole if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Now, that was her point of contact. That should not be the emphasis. The emphasis to her is... I will be whole. So what is she expecting? Wholeness. Wholeness. If I can touch but his clothes, that's just the, the precursor, the point of contact, I shall be whole. So she has an image that doesn't see the lack. It doesn't see all the money that she spent. It doesn't see how she's tried and tried and tried and never gotten better but only gotten worse. She's not seeing any of that. She's seeing I'm going to be whole. I'm, she's excited about it. I'm going to be whole. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be whole. I shall be whole. And, and it wasn't I'm waiting to be whole. I shall be whole. Hallelujah. And so she, because of what she had in her heart, and now it's coming out of her mouth, she moves in the direction of the answer. And let's go back to 27. She came in the press behind and touched his garment. She would never have come in the press behind if she didn't have that in her heart. If she didn't have that image of just touching him and receiving wholeness. She's touching him to be made whole. So she came and she touched and it says immediately she received the manifestation of what began as an image. She received the manifestation of what began as an image. 
Everything God created was at one time an image in his heart. This earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the orbit, all of it. All of the details that caused this earth to orbit around the sun and the other planets to be in their orbits holding the, the different uh, uh, places in, in God's plan. All of the details. At one time, it was just an image in his heart. Just a thought. Just a vision that he had. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he began to speak it out. Let there be. Let there be. And he created everything, but it came from the image that he had. And when it came out from his heart, his faith gave substance, and he spoke out of his mouth, and it came out, and it manifested what was once just an image in his heart. And God created you to be like him. He created you and I to function with that same creative ability that he possesses. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, this is practice. The, the more we become skilled in the heart and the mouth connection and we become spirit-led people who are creating out of our spirit the will of God and the word of God, bringing into manifestation things that began as a glimpse, things that began as an idea. Hallelujah. My first book, Pressure No Problem, began as an idea. God began to deal with me from the scripture about how to deal with pressure because I needed to know how to deal with pressure. And I began to see there were people in the Bible who instead of falling apart under pressure or caving or, or buckling under pressure, how that the anointing of God and, and the uh, favor of God and the, the power of God working through them gave them the ability to rise up above that. And so I took those examples and I preached them. And I thought I was done. I preached them, but right here in my heart, I thought, is that, ooh, that was so good. That deserves more than one preaching. I mean, I'm honored that God gave me all that. It was some of the first real revelation I had gotten as, as you know, it was the beginning of, of, of my ministry. My husband had done all the preaching before that, and I had taught just a little bit here and there. And so that book was some of the first things that God really showed me that, that came by revelation. And so I thought, can I just preach that and set it aside? I don't think so. I think I need to do something with it. But I didn't know how to write a book. I just felt like I should. I had a vision to do it. And so I just prayed it out. And God, the first thing I did was just got a computer and started typing and typed out the book. And so then I'm like, what do I do with it now? And I just started looking online for how to, to publish a book. And I came across uh, a, th that first publisher that I used. And at that time, self-publishing was not available like it is today. And so I had to have $10,000 to publish the book. And I believe God for that $10,000. And, and really, that was the first major seed I had ever sown. I, I sowed someone. I, I had a paid-for Ford Explorer. It was nice. It was beautiful. It was, it was uh, the perfect fit for our family. But God put it in my heart to sow it, and I sowed that. And God 
uh, the, the harvest that God has brought, that's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, the harvest is just keeps manifesting in our life. But that began as an image. But because of that book being released, then I looked for people. I thought, well, I've got, I've got all these copies of this book up in the attic of the church. How do I get them out? So I, had to, I didn't know anything about I didn't. This publisher didn't have. It was still a self-publishing market. But, uh, so I had to do my own marketing. And they sent me a book, How to Market Your Own Book. And so I got the book out. Okay, I need to have interviews. So I got on the internet again, looking for places to have interviews. Prayed to God. God, show me where I can tell people about my book. And so I made up the, the, the packet that had the book and a picture of me and an explanation about that book. And I, I sent it to some of those different places. And I went down to CTN and I did an interview with Herman and, Sherry ba- Herman and Sharon Bailey uh, on their program and uh, I sent it up to CTN or uh, TCT up north and and went to interview in Illinois and I sent one to Little Rock, Arkansas to Sister Jeannie Caldwell and they invite and when I came on Sister Jeannie's program there was a supernatural connection that the power of God and came on that interview and, and the, of course, the atmosphere of faith was there in the studio. And, and I just uh, really felt good about that interview. And I came out of that interview. And uh, uh, a man who had been running the camera, he met me, uh, Dan Vikmarovic, met me as I walked out of the television studio. And I didn't realize it then, but, you know, he was a very soft-spoken man. He wasn't very outgoing. He didn't, you know, outstep. But the power of God was just on him. And he said, you are going to be the next Joyce Meyer. And you're going to have your own television show. And I want to be your producer. And I said, brother, I agree with that in Jesus' name. And where two shall agree. I mean, we just had the power of agreement. A year later, that man became my producer. And, And when I came to know him, I realized how out of character that was for him to make that statement to me and for him, but it was God. It wasn't Dan Vikmarovich saying that. It was God giving me that opportunity, that step. But you know what? This all started because I had an image. They invited me to come back and do a partner special, to actually to do another interview with Sister Jeannie. And at that time, they invited me to do a partner special. And then after that, they offered me the opportunity to uh, film my, my broadcast there in the VTN studio. Hallelujah. And um, uh, in that opportunity, uh, we became acquainted with and recognized the Uh, importance of uh, Pastor Caldwell and Sister Jeannie. And as my husband started coming down with me on some of those opportunities and had the opportunity to meet Pastor Caldwell and see the longevity and the stability of his ministry, the Lord spoke to my husband and said, follow Pastor Happy Caldwell, follow his faith, and as I am and have been with Happy Caldwell, I will be with you. That's what the Lord told Pastor. Pastor at that point went to the bookstore at, at, at uh, Agape and bought every 
CD series that Pastor Caldwell has. He has the Happy Caldwell Library, and he won't let you borrow it either. He'll make you a copy, but it's not leaving his life. And he began listening to Pastor Caldwell and began feeding on his teaching and began watching his broadcast and began uh, and submitted himself, wrote a letter and said, I submit to you. This is what the Lord told me. I submit to you. And the uh, Lord uh, uh, put in our hearts when Pastor Caldwell began to go out on the road Um, the Lord put in our hearts to make ourselves available to go with him. That's part of our following his faith. And so uh, in those impartations that all started, do you see how one thing, the the plan of God unfolded as that that image, that, that glimpse that God had given me brought me to where we are today. Amen? In 1995, the Lord told Pastor Steele, this statement, I want you to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. In 1995, all of our kids were little. We had no money. We were living in an apartment in Missouri uh, called Minor Ridge. And uh, we'd been on food stamps trying to get on our feet. We'd been, uh, he was working, I was working all the, like I said, all the kids were little, so I couldn't work during the day if they, I had to get them to school. And so I babysat kids for a while. I cleaned apartments for a while. I worked at nights for a while. And as we were trying to get on our feet and get the plan of God, because God had told us to come to Kansas at that time. We were in Nashville when we got married, where I got, had received Jesus and, and been delivered. And, um, from Nashville, God put an image in our heart to go to Kansas. Uh, there was a certain family member in Kansas. My husband's youngest son was there in Kansas. And I said, it's not right for you to raise my children and not know yours. We're going to Kansas. And that was the way that the Lord led us to Kansas. But when he, we, he brought us there to Kansas, um, uh, we, we looked for a church for a long time. We went, we went to different churches for a year. And I, I got so ex- exhausted trying to find these churches. I, I went into churches, I'll tell you. I sat through an entire church service, came in before service early, sat through everybody coming in. After service, we didn't rush out the door. We sat there until everybody went out, and nobody spoke to us at all. Wow. Nobody spoke to us to welcome us or to say, hi, glad you were here, or anything. I mean, it was as if we were a fly on the wall. They ignored us completely. But I was more concerned that I couldn't find anybody in Kansas that believed God was a healer. I couldn't find anybody in Kansas that believed in, in God being alive. I mean, they, they were, it was so religious and so dead. I said, is there anybody who believes like we believe? And uh, so during that time, uh, that's that's one of the things, and God did lead us to a church there, and uh, and eventually uh, placed us in as pastors in DeSoto. But in 1995, when God spoke that to Pastor, He had to start with us because my 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 husband went and put on the only suit he had to his name, and I walked into the living room, and there's my husband 
fully dressed in his suit on a Saturday, on a Saturday morning, fully dressed in his suit with his Bible in his lap. And I, I walked in feeling very underdressed all of a sudden. I'm, you know, in my, in my clean the house clothes, you know, and I'm like, what are you doing? He said, I'm on call. I'm on call. I said, oh, okay. He said, the Lord told me to build people's faith and frame their worlds, and I'm making myself available to him. And so he started by building our faith and framing our world by the word of God and led us uh, to, that, to continue in that vision. And that's, that's the reason that we emphasize that because God emphasized it to us. I want to take just a few minutes and talk about some of the aspects of our vision because not only are we going to release faith for your family, for your vision, but we're asking you to bring your faith to this family as well. This is your family too, your church family. And uh, these are some aspects of the vision that God has called us to. Uh, during one of my filmings here at VTN in Little Rock, uh, I would come down once a month and rent a hotel room and, uh, and go to the VTN studios and film all day and then drive back. And during one of those trips down, I had a very dramatic encounter with the Lord. It was such a holy moment. I refused to tell my husband about it over the telephone. I, I, I told, I, I was so, it was, it was holy. It was the way that God dealt with me was so holy and I said, it is too holy for me to bring it down by telling it to you over the phone. And so I will tell you in person when I get home. But in that encounter, the Lord asked me to make myself available to pastor a Hispanic church in Little Rock. He had asked me a few years before to learn Spanish. He actually had given me an image. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up. Here's all the people. But God showed me two hands, and he said, one is English and one is Spanish, and I want you to be bilingual in your ministry. So I started learning Spanish, and after I obeyed him to learn Spanish is when he spoke that to me dramatically. And, you know, I've, I've heard Brother Hagen say, if God speaks something to you very dramatically, it's because you'll need to hold on to it. You'll need to be able to refer back to say, I know that was God. I didn't just make that up. It wasn't just something that I ate. It wasn't just, you know, me being over-spiritual. That was dramatic because, uh, and it imprinted me. And so um, I went uh, back home and I told my husband and he, he said, well, you know, Pastor Caldwell is a pastor there. You need to make yourself available uh, if he would like to have a Hispanic congregation in his church. I said, that's a great idea. And I went to Pastor Caldwell. And I said, Pastor, this is what the Lord has, has said to me. I submit myself, if you would like to have a Hispanic congregation in your church, I would help you do that. And, and I thought that was how God wanted me to follow through with that. And he asked me a question. He said, how would you do it? And I told him the plan that God had given me. And he said, that's exactly what the representative from the Spanish speaking representative from CUFI told me that I should do. And he said, let me think about it. And so 
I didn't realize that he was in the process of transition, and he wasn't at a place to be able to share that yet. But about six months later, when we had the opportunity to speak about it again, he explained to me that the transition was about to be underway and that he would speak to the next pastor. And if the next pastor was interested, uh, would I be interested? I said, Pastor, I'm here to serve. This is what the Lord has told me. I just want to obey God. So I felt like I had done everything I needed to do about that. And I, um, I had a dream. And it was, you know, it was... Uh, when you wake up and you know that was from God, that's then. But if you just wake up and say, "I wonder if that was God or not," just set it aside. But I woke up and I knew this dream was from God. In this dream, I had a horse. I grew up raising horses, and so I love horses, and I've uh, uh, got a special place in my heart for for horses. And so, for God to use this as an example uh, was significant to me. And I I had. Uh, in my dream, a horse, but my horse was locked in a stall. And I felt so bad because I had left it locked in a stall for 30 days and it was starving. It was emaciated. And I was repenting to God. I said, God, I would never starve my horse. I would never do that. Forgive me, God. Forgive me for starving my horse. Lord, I, this horse is emaciated. What am I going to do? And I looked out, and there were other horses in the field, and I thought, why didn't somebody open my stall and let my horse out for me? Why didn't somebody do this? And right then, my husband walked up, and he said, Michelle, you've got to try to save it. And so when I woke up, that was where the dream ended. When I woke up, I knew what the horse was representing, what God had told me about make yourself available to pastor a church. And so uh, in one of my next times, I uh, came down and I found the La Quinta. And I uh, actually, God made a way for us to be able to have some permanent housing so that I didn't have to stay in a, a hotel every time I came down because I was going to be coming down once a week. And so I... I uh, started the church in the La Quinta and for the first first four weeks it was the it was only in Spanish and then I had uh, one of the dear members of our church say to me I'm coming to your church and I said but you wouldn't understand anything that I say and he said that's okay I'm coming to your church and you can preach to me because I'm ready I need some faith I want you to and so I called pastor I said pastor there's some people from Little Rock that want to come and have me preach English, but I would never do this if you told me I should not do this. He said, Michelle, there are enough churches in Little Rock. There are enough people in Little Rock that need to go to church that, that it's appropriate for you. It's a natural thing for you to have English services as well as Spanish. Do it. And I said, okay, pastor. And so uh, we started filling up with the uh, English service. And so we were having Sunday mornings only. And then God gave us favor and we started having Sunday night in the La Quinta. And a year later, God opened up the portion of that side of this room. And then a few months later, this came available. We opened up to the other side as well to what we have here today. And we've been over for uh, five years. And, I, and I'll tell you why there are times that I look back and I say, I know God told me to have a Hispanic ministry because there were times that I preached to an empty room. Some of you came in to help me close up because I said, I'll be done at such and such time. And I was preaching 
and the power of God would fall in my empty room. I mean, the anointing would be there. People would walk in and be like, whoa, the anointing is here. And there have still been times that I've had, had one or two people, and they were the English-speaking people helping me to run the, 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 the different things. And I said, Lord, I know you told me to do this. The, this part of what God has told us to do is important, and uh, it is uh, vital. So we, the Hispanic aspect of this ministry is uh, something very uh, dear to the heart of God. He specifically gave me an assignment to take the teachings of faith that I've heard from Kenneth Hagin and Charles Capps and take them to the Hispanic body of Christ, the, Hispan the Spanish-speaking body of Christ. And so uh, we're faithful to do that. So we have services here every Saturday night, and we have Bible studies on Wednesday. And um, uh, we are, are growing. We have a good, good base now, a good foundation of families that are learning and hungry and catching the heart of faith building. And so we're excited about that. Uh, FBIMA is an aspect of this vision. FBIMA is our ministerial academy. I can look around and see many of you who have attended some of the previous classes that we had in our FBIMA, and those will continue. We will have details about that to come, but it is an important part of this ministry to be able to uh, establish people in the Word of God. Uh, the ministerial fellowship that we have uh, is not only alumni who have graduated from our Bible college, but we have other people who are ordained and who are uh, ministering in full-time ministry and in uh, part-time ministry who have their ordination and their papers and their covering through our fellowship. We are providing more resources and tools to help us develop uh, for the, the people who are connected to this fellowship. So if you are an alumni of our Bible college or if you are one of the ministers who is ordained through this fellowship, we are going to have some things that are specifically geared to help you as a leader, to help you as a representative in the body of Christ be more effective and to be stable in your ministry. Uh, another aspect of the vision of this church is the healing ministry. Many of you couldn't remember the time that uh, Pastor Nancy Dufresne was here ministering in this church, and under the unction of the Holy Spirit, she made the declaration that this house will be known as a house of healing. Our pastor, his father, and his mother were uh, um, from a very young age. His father was healed as a boy of... Uh, uh, very significant uh, things that had been wrong with him. He was paralyzed on one of his sides. He his, uh, had suffered what we would probably know today as polio, a lot of the effects of polio. He was being uh, carried around. They didn't expect him to live, uh, or, or to be uh, an adult. 
because of a lot of the problems that he had as a boy. But he went into a meeting where the power of God was. His uncle, his Baptist uncle, took him into this Pentecostal meeting, and he got healed, and God called him into the ministry. And at the age of 19, he answered that call. And so Pastor was raised in an atmosphere where the power of God was flowing. That was at the, the end Uh, that latter few years of the Voice of Healing days. And Pastor says to me, he said, I've been in tent meetings where I saw the blind receive their sight. I've seen people who were blind when they came in walk out with their sight. He said, I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen the power of God move in that way. And he became, uh, he became very hungry for that. In that first couple of years, as we were pastoring in Kansas, uh, Pastor... Uh, it was actually uh, right before we came to the pastorate. He was an assistant pastor at a, a church in Kansas City, Kansas, and he went on a 40-day fast, and God began to move in his ministry uh, with some remarkable healings, and that is something that God continually brings him back to. And so uh, he recognizes that he's got to find that balance with the pastoral gift to be able to also make room for the healing ministry. We have healing school every Tuesday here at the church at this campus. He has that healing school so that he can provide that flow of healing, not only in the teaching, but in laying hands on the sick. And we see that there's a healing meeting that he's going to be conducting with Prophet Ford coming up. We want to support that meeting as much as we can. We, but we are also going to have other opportunities and times that uh, we set aside specific for healing meetings because that is an area that he is going to move into even more so. Uh, especially after this last year when the Lord, uh, in a meeting he was visiting with uh, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Pastor Nancy Dufresne was ministering, and she was ministering under an endowment uh, for healing of hearts. And uh, the Lord put that endowment uh, on our pastor as well. And so we've got to be faithful to that. And the Lord gave him another, there are specific things and there are, it's easy just to get caught up in the regular routine of the church and, and then the Lord have to say, you've not been faithful with the healing ministry. So we're not going to be in that position where God has to call us on it, but we're going to make room for that ministry in our lives. Uh, another aspect of our vision is the television ministry, uh, the media outlets, we're on VTN, we're on uh, in Spanish and in English. We're on VTN in English. We're on AlmaVision, Univision, and Telemundo that covers the state for Univision and Telemundo. The state, not only here in this region, but up in Bentonville, up in Rogers and Fayetteville, we are covering in Spanish. Uh, and, and so VTN covers the state, and these others cover, and then AlmaVision is nationwide. We're also with our live stream, our Roku, our YouTube channel, our podcast, and our word supply. We are uh, preparing more books and study materials. Uh, one uh, aspect, of course, our men's ministry, our women's ministry, and our ministry to children and youth. Uh, those are all things that as we grow, we will be able to see them thriving more and more. 
uh, right now we're doing children's ministry on the weekends that Pastor and I are here together because he is establishing that children's ministry and, uh, and helping get the flow uh, and the uh, direction for that. And so uh, he is heading that up on the Sunday mornings that we're here together. An aspect that we have coming up in the near future is a prison ministry. We have, Pastor and I are uh, not only uh, heavy as word of faith teachers, but both of us have always had our, our outlet in the prison and the jail ministry. We have been in the prison in Ellsworth Correctional Facility in Kansas for over 15 years. Would, would that be more? 15 years. We have our Bible college uh, there as well through uh, videos, and uh, we want to have that same outlet here in Little Rock so that we are ministering uh, to uh, Jesus by visiting those who are in prison and in the jail. And so that's something that we're going to be uh, uh, having as we move forward. We have various projects. You're aware of them, uh, most of them, to fulfill our vision. Our project 2414 uh, for the year. Uh, and we didn't have it on our slide, but uh, we have our goal for $65,426 to cover all of our outlets of distributing the word through every available voice. We have our Ezra project, is, which is preparing for the enlargement of our territory. We have our uh, word supply that we are providing the free CDs, then making those available. Uh, we also, because we have two campuses, we are one church in two locations, we, we put a lot of miles on our car. So our present transportation project that we're going to be working on is to update pastor's vehicle because we're not going to drive them in the dirt and then kick them off to the side. We're going to trade them in and get something that doesn't have so much miles on it and we'll maintain our, our value in those. So uh, we are going to be updating his vehicle this year to one with less mileage and we're looking at that goal for about $40,000. Uh, uh, for that. just he, he likes the Ford Explorer, so we're just going to upgrade to a new, newer model of the Ford Explorer with the less mileage. It's good for us to pick up people when we have to pick up our guests and uh, guest speakers, and uh, he, he, that, that's our goal for that. But in the future, we're not going to drive forever. Amen. And as long as God has us maintaining what we're maintaining... We have obeyed the Lord. Now, we've talked about this before, and we kind of lowered our sights based on talk that other people had had with us. Uh, we looked at a Piper. Uh, we looked at Malibu Piper. We looked at, at some other things and just never got excited about it. Couldn't get the image of it. But we went back to what God had showed Pastor originally, which is the Cessna 421C uh, Golden Eagle. Praise God. And that would enable us to get back and forth and so that we could be together more. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to complain about the will of God as long as the will of God is, is on uh, us. to. We, we've got the supply to do it. But I, I shall be with my husband more with the advancement of our transportation he would be able to fly up and fly right back and uh, be able to be there on Wednesdays, one of us, if we needed to be, as well as some of the other opportunities that are coming up. 
Uh, I will ask you to release your faith with me because uh, years ago, the Lord showed me about my testimony going around the world and showed me that I was going to use my testimony to bring many people to Jesus. And this fall, Harrison House will be releasing my testimony nationwide. Glory to God. And uh, I, I, we, we are believing that it is going to have the full effectiveness that God wants it to have. And great favor is upon the release of this testimony. So as we prepare to uh, release our faith over the aspects of the vision, uh, and you're bringing your, your faith, just like those men who connected themselves to David in Cave Abdullam, they came and they brought their strength to David to help David fulfill the call of God on his life. And what happened was the anointing that was on David got on them. They came to David and they were in debt. They were in despair. They were tore up from the floor up. But they came and they got alongside of David and made him their, their leader. And as they were helping him with what God had called him to do, their lives got changed. They, got, they became the mighty men that were overcomers and great victors in battle. And so... As you bring your faith to the needs and to the assignment on this church family, that anointing, you're connecting to the anointing that is upon this house, and that anointing flows back into your life and brings into your life that same victory that came into theirs. I mean, you just read in First Chronicles how those men were, and you think, that was what was on David. That sounds like what David did. And that, here's Shama out in the field fighting for his pea patch till his hand claved to his sword fought off a whole garrison of Philistines. That's what David did. How did he get what David had? Helping David do what God had called David to do. And how are you going to get that anointing flowing? Just come and show up and help us in the greeters. Just come and show up and help us back in the floor. Just every day bring your faith and say, Father, I thank you that my church has an abundant supply to do everything God has called us to do. My church is abundantly provided for in every department, in every aspect of our vision. Father, I thank you that our every available voice, Project 2414, is an, is, remains in that paid-for flow. Just, just use your faith with us and praise God we'll see a great aspect of one can put a thousand to flight but when two get together when there's that unity there's a greater effectiveness amen praise God let's stand up and use our faith today say this with me as you stand to your feet say this with me father I thank you for your plan for my life, for my church family. We bring our unity to your purpose and we bring our faith to release our words, allowing you materials to build. Abundance, more than enough, full provision in our church, in our family, 
in our lives. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just lift your hands and thank God that he thought enough to bring you to a church that he's working in. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of this vision. Thank you, Lord, for giving us vision over our families, vision of being out of debt. Thank you, Lord, for giving us vision in our homes and vision in our church family. Father, I pray that what you are doing in this ministry through each and every member of this church family that you would be glorified and that we would approve those things which are excellent and recognize the importance of honoring your work. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. One of the greatest things that you can do is pray for your pastor. Pray for this church. What takes place in this church is not all on the shoulders of our pastor. We have a part we can play. The Apostle Paul said to the people that he taught and the people that he was leading, he said, pray for me. That I would have boldness. Pray for me that I would have utterance. Doors, pray that a door of utterance would be open for me. That I could speak boldly. Paul needed prayer. He understood that what he was able to minister was not just on him, but upon those that heard as well. We have corporate prayer because the Bible in the New Testament emphasizes corporate prayer. Hallelujah. The Old Testament has a lot of lone prayers. But in the New Testament, we see a different pattern established. We see when Peter was set free supernaturally from the prison, where were the people of the church? They were gathered together in prayer. When the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, where were the people? They were gathered together in prayer. When Peter and John had been beaten for preaching in the name of Jesus, and they went back to their own company, where were they? They were gathered together. And what did they do? They prayed together. And are praying together. And while some of you may not be able to come on Monday nights, if you can, come. The more that we gather together and bring our supply in prayer and enter over into things. I mean, we've had some prayer meetings on these Monday nights where we've got over. And it's like, I, I just, I'm just in the spirit, sensing and recognizing the moving of God 
that he is working. He's working on things behind the scenes. He's preparing things that we don't even know the full detail of. We just have an impression of it. We just have an excitement. Our pastor, every time he gets over into prayer, he comes out and he says, something good's getting ready to happen to this ministry. Something good's getting ready. He's so excited he can't even put into words as he, he's trying to say, and the best he can say is something good. And, and I say, uh-huh. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. Let me, something. It's like he's wanting to shake me and say, something big, something good, something extravagant is getting ready to happen in this ministry. Hallelujah. I encourage you about Monday nights. Come and be a part. Bring a supply to that. Pray for us. Pray for not just Pastor and I, but pray for our church in your prayer time. The Bible says that when you pray one for another, you get things. You get healed. Pray ye one for another that you may be healed. The Bible says when Job prayed for his friends, God turned things in his life. Amen? When, pray for your church family. Pray Ephesians 1 over your church family. Pray Ephesians 3 over your church family. Pray Colossians 1 and Colossians or Philippians 1, 9 and 10 over your church family. Hallelujah. And see how God brings back into your life as a result of you sowing into their life.